Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to California Haunts Radio tonight. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. We have a good show for you. I'm also the owner of the, uh, turn this down a little bit here, the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means no matter where you're at in California, you get this adjusted, we can help you. Okay. It may take us a while to get to you. California is a big state, so, you know, but we will get to you. We will get to you. And if you're watching from Facebook tonight, Please be sure to hit that like. If you like what you see, please be sure to hit that like button and that follow button. Uh, whether you're watching from my page or you're watching from California Hospitals and Events, we want to get our followers built up. So if you can help us out with that, that would be great. Also, if you do like what you see, you can share us with, with everybody. So if you do that, I'd appreciate that too. Okay, if you're watching from YouTube, uh, which probably a lot of you will tonight, if you're watching from YouTube, but there's that little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner. You click on him, and he will pop up a subscribe button. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. We have uh, more than 494 videos sitting over there, all different topics. I think there's something for everybody over there, okay? And please hit the like button as well. If you uh, have a TikTok account, join us over on TikTok under California Haunts, all lowercase. Or follow me over at uh, Instagram at GhostyGal, which is all, over, all lowercase as well. Or you can find us on Twitter, CalHaunts. We're everywhere. Everywhere you look, that's where we're at. We're even over on Twitch. So, yeah. Anyway, my guest tonight is an old friend. He's, he was on in fact in February, way back in February, maybe, the, let's see, 22, 21. Stan Gordon. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics. Look at this. Okay. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, cryptids, but it's combined with another topic, UFO and cryptids. So it should be interesting to see what he has to say because he actually has a book about Pennsylvania, Bigfoot, and UFO, UFO encounters. So, uh, I'll be calling him, and just an FYI, this is going to be a phone-in interview, so you won't have to look at my face. Of course, i got my graphics, but uh, you can relax and do whatever you're doing and just listen to the interview you want, but if you interact in the chat room, I will be very happy to interact in the chat room with you, okay? All right, without further ado, I'm going to give Stan a call, and we're going to get this show on the road. Welcome, everybody. Always said I need dialing music. And then people wonder why I have like six foot cords for my phone, six, seven foot cords. This is why. Okay, let me flatten this so I don't get stuck with that. When I slap it down over there. Okay, call, please. Get him on the phone. Hello? Hi, Mr. Gordon. Yeah, Stan. How are you doing, Charlotte? How are you doing? It's been a while. Hang in there. Keep them busy as usual. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been wanting to get you back on. Finally, I you know, was able to get the opportunity to have you to get you back on with us. Well, thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Well, to, for the people that don't know who you are, go ahead you know, let's hear about you for a few minutes. Well, I've been involved in investigating and researching uh, UFO sightings, uh, Bigfoot, other cryptos, other phenomena here in Pennsylvania for well, over 63 years now. I started this when I was 10 years old back in 1959. And believe it or not, I've never seen a UFO picked with myself. And uh, 
my hotline's been open since 1969, and I continue to receive reports on quite a regular basis of our current and past reports. Uh, 1970, I founded the first of three volunteer research groups to investigate incidents here in Pennsylvania, and they were around for many, many years. Um, the first group was called the Westmoreland County UFO Study Group, and uh, it was made up of a lot of uh, mainly uh, specialists, uh, scientists, engineers, technicians, uh, police officers, former military people who we all volunteered our time to go out in the field to investigate cases. And, uh, and I've been doing it ever since. So it's very busy. Uh, I get reports every year. Last year was probably one of the most amazing years we ever had for incidents in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. because of, of the detail, the quality of the reports coming in. So uh, it's been very, very busy here in Pennsylvania. When you talk about the you know, UFOs and Bigfoot, what, what do you mean exactly? Well, we, we get lots of UFO sightings, or as the government's called now, UAP reports. We get mm-hmm. UFO sightings every year of objects that people see in the sky, and some quite often low to the ground that could not be easily uh, explained. And then the Bigfoot sightings, I interviewed hundreds of witnesses who claimed to have seen Bigfoot for years and years. It's been a long history of Bigfoot sightings here in Pennsylvania, and they go on every year, and there were some very significant reports last year. Do you think that there's a relation between the UFO sightings and Bigfoot? Well, that's a, that's a long story. And, and yes, I, I think there is some correlation. And it's something I was not expecting to find. Um, I started investigating Bigfoot sightings here in Pennsylvania back in the 1960s. And uh, when I knew about Bigfoot over the years, I always thought that they were probably some type of unknown animal, some type of unknown primate that science had never been able to confirm. Uh, it was in the early 1970s that I began to investigate cases where some unusual details began to show up. And then in 1973, we had the biggest, first we had the biggest UFO wave ever documented with hundreds and hundreds of UFO sightings across Pennsylvania mm-hmm. all year long. And then in the summer of 1973, we had uh, the biggest Bigfoot outbreak ever documented that continued into 1974. And many of those Bigfoot sightings were daylight sightings. Some were ex- very, very close range. Sometimes there were more than one creature seen together. Uh, in many, many instances, my, myself or my teams would be out on the scene within minutes, hours after they occurred. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were able to document a lot of these things. But as the reports were coming in from widespread areas, from many parts of across the state, and, and especially around here in Southwest PA, some very, very strange things began to come to our attention. Uh, one of the first things was that we would get out to some of these locations. So we're talking all year round in different weather conditions, mm-hmm. including in snow, and we would have these very unusual footprints that would continue for a distance and just suddenly abruptly stop when there should have been more tracks. That's the first thing that showed up. And then we began to get other reports of other really strange phenomena going on. And then we began to see a pattern. We'd have a UFO sighting in a particular area. Within minutes to hours to days later, we'd have a Bigfoot sighting or vice versa. And then we had some amazing cases with UFOs and Bigfoot seen together at the same time and place. And that's when a lot of very unusual things began to show up. I started writing about those cases back in the 1970s. And now over the years, all across the country, a lot of what I was talking about now is showing up. Many other researchers and many witnesses are reporting 
a lot of these similar phenomena, especially in the last few years. Um, when you talk about the sightings where Bigfoot and UFOs have been seen, can you tell me some of those, please? Well, uh, there was a number of cases uh, just off the top of my head. I, I went into great detail about this in my book, Silent Invasion. They go into great detail about these cases, in which there was a lot. But um, one of the cases was September 1973, north of Pittsburgh, where uh, you had two witnesses out in the country waiting for a friend. And while they're standing there, they see this very tall, seven, eight foot tall, huge uh, Bigfoot with white hair running across the road. And in one of its hands, it was carrying a small, luminous ball of light. And it wasn't long after, as this thing continued walking to the woods, that an object came across the sky and projected a beam of light down into the woods where the creature ran into. So that was something that attracted our attention. Um, in the weeks ahead, more and more reports came in from widespread areas. So you can remember, 1973, mm -hmm. we didn't have cell phones. Communication was different. You didn't have the Internet anything at all like it is today. It was just starting out. And... Uh, so people didn't know about all these other cases coming in. And back in those days, of course, a lot of people, they saw something unusual. They were frightened by something. They would call the police. And it was surprising, as I mentioned earlier, by 1973, my first research group was covering the whole state of Pennsylvania. And we were surprised that we were getting a lot of referrals from the news media, from law enforcement. And we were very, very busy just trying to keep up with all these reports. But it was an, an incident that happened... October 25th, 1973, and this is a very detailed report. I'm going to tell you the basis of the report. Okay. It's way, way too long to get into, sure. but it's an amazing story, one of the strangest cases ever documented. It was about 10.30 that night, and I received a call from a state trooper from the uh, Uniontown State Police Barracks in Fayette County, and he had just came back from investigating this incident. And there were about 15 people in this uh, farming community, this rural area, southwest PA, who observed this large red sphere, about as big as a barn, about 100 feet off the ground, hovering and then slowly beginning to descend. And um, anyhow, people were standing outside watching this object in the sky. Uh, it was the farmer's son that came out to visit his parents on their farm. Um, that as he's driving down the front, the farm road, he sees the object and he sees people outside looking at this thing. So he goes up to a neighbor's house to get at a better vantage point to get a better look. And as he's watching this thing, and he and two neighbor uh, boys, they look like this thing is going to land on his dad's property. So they decide they want to go up and investigate and see what this is all about. So they they go over to his dad's farm, and, and the older fella he grabs a thirty odd six and some ammunition. And um, as they're riding down the farm road, uh, the dogs are just carrying on tremendously. They hear this loud baby crying sound and these loud um, sound um, like something kind of uh, whirling. And uh, as you get closer and closer to that pasture area, all the sounds are getting louder and louder. Anyhow, they, they make their way up the hill and they get up to the top of the hill and they're overlooking the pasture and they're just amazed that about 250 feet away, this very large luminous object is now on the ground or right above it. And it's not a complete sphere at this point. It's like half a sphere. It's a big white dome about 100 feet or more in diameter, illuminating the area, making that loud whirling noise. And uh, 
anyhow, they just couldn't believe what they're seeing. It's illuminating the surrounding area. And they're standing there watching this thing. And uh, not long after, their attention's drawn to a barbed wire fence about 75 feet away. Wow. Along that barbed wire fence are these two huge creatures, these two creatures that one would describe as a Bigfoot. The one in front's about eight feet tall. The one right behind is about seven feet tall. They're walking slowly behind the other along the barbed wire fence in the direction of three witnesses. The one boy is so frightened that he, he runs out of the field. But uh, they describe this thing, these things that, again, they're covered with long, dark, matted hair. They have no neck. Uh, the eyes are about as big as a, as a, as a half dollar and a glowing luminous green. Uh, the arms are so long they're hanging below the knees almost down to the ground. They're bipedal and they're moving slowly one behind the other, making that whining, crying noise. So the young boy yells to the older fellow, shoot at him, shoot at him. He fires his first shot. Well, he didn't realize when he grabbed that ammo at the, at the time, he had two tracer bullets. So you just get that luminous trajectory when you fire them. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, he fired over their head and just had that luminous trail. He fires the second shot, which was the second tracer. But what was so interesting was when he fired that second tracer, the largest of the two creatures reaches out as though to grab the tracer, makes a loud whining, crying noise. And at that moment, that huge luminous object in the field just vanishes and, and it's gone. It doesn't take off. It doesn't accelerate. It just disappears. Mm -hmm. So most of the luminosity is gone. Uh, the, the loud noise it's making, it's gone. The creatures turn around. They start walking back towards the woods. And at that point, the, the fellow is loaded as 30 out 6 with live ammo. He's firing into these creatures. And there's no effect on it whatsoever. Wow. He always told me he, until he passed away that he never forgot how that biggest creature kept staring at him as he's firing at it with live ammo and there's no no effect on it whatsoever so these two fellows run back to their truck they go back to the farmhouse they take the family out of there go to a neighbor's and they call the state police the trooper arrived about 45 minutes later they went up into the field in the patrol car looking for evidence and i when i interviewed the trooper he said when he got on scene that the area where the object was on the ground was self-luminescent and glowing. He said it was about 100 or more feet in diameter that um, he shined his flashlight beam into it. He could barely see it. He said he noticed the farm animals wouldn't go anywhere near it. And he said that he had a newspaper. He thought for sure he could read the newspaper from the light coming up the glowing area. Um, they were taken. They went back to the state police barracks, and I was I later told that both the trooper and the witness were taken to two separate rooms they're suddenly interviewed, and then they called for me to send my team up. That's the short part of the story. Uh, more and more happened during the night. It's a long story. It, it is one of the most interesting cases we ever had. It was the case that convinced me that there was a lot more to Bigfoot than any of us ever imagined. And as time went on, as weeks went on, months went on, and now many years later, I've investigated multitudes of Bigfoot cases and UFO cases, and I've learned a lot more about the Bigfoot phenomena, and I've, and I've become aware that we're dealing with something that's much stranger than an unknown animal, mm -hmm. which is why there's probably no bodies. And there was another significant case, which is the one that really sealed it for me, that indicated we're dealing with something that is not a normal flesh and blood animal. Now, here's my question. Since you've been investigating these things, what, what do you think they are? Well, I 
don't think I know I don't have the answers. I don't think anybody really knows for sure. These cases are showing up all around the country now mm -hmm. in many different places. Many other researchers have similar cases. Uh, they're not laughing like they used to years ago. They're taking a much more open-minded because there's so many similar reports coming in. And um, all I can tell you is this. The data suggests that we're dealing with a phenomena that has a physical and a non-physical aspect to it. And for lack of a better term, I'll call it interdimensional. Mm -hmm. Do you think because you know the, the stories of the aliens doing doing tests on our DNA and stuff? Do you think it's possible that these beings were created by the aliens to to live here on Earth, but then it didn't, but then it didn't work out because they couldn't control them or something, and then they just sent them back? Well, there, there's many many theories out there, and we could speculate forever. We don't know. Right. And, and again, when I talk about the case I just told you, and I can mm -hmm. tell you about some other cases as well. Cool. I am not, I am not suggesting that Bigfoot is a passenger or a crew member right. of a spaceship from another planet because we don't know for sure what the unexplained uh, UFO aspect of the mystery is. Right. I mean, I, I said years ago, I think it's well maybe that we're dealing with more than one origin to the unknown category. Maybe a small number, maybe you're extraterrestrial, but I, there mm -hmm. is more and more indication that a lot of these various anomalies we're dealing with, again, have a physical and non-physical component to it. So, for example, in a lot of the UFO reports we're hearing, um, and I've known this, I've investigated thousands of cases. Now, even in recent years of daylight, we here in Pennsylvania, we have large, solid objects that appear, and even in beautiful, clear skies, that sometimes just begin to slowly fade away and vanish, and they're gone. In some cases, witnesses are reported seeing objects that physically change one form to another. Um, lots of very strange similarities, but also with many of the Bigfoot reports I've investigated, this is what's so amazing. And again, a lot of people don't hear about these reports. I mentioned to you about the footprints, mm -hmm. the fact that cases, they just abruptly end when there should be more tracks. That's being reported now all over the country. And um, the other thing is that um, there's a lot of variations in the reports a lot of people don't hear about. So sometimes people tell me, they're riding down the road, and suddenly these huge seven, eight-foot-tall hair-covered creatures suddenly appear out of nowhere. They see them from head to toe, and then they're gone. They come and they go. I have other reports of these objects where lots of times the bodies look physically solid. In some other cases, they look more misty or foggy-looking. Sometimes part of the body looks solid, while other parts are out of focus or, or they're not clear. There's a lot more to this than we understand. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's just amazing cases. But let me tell you then, if you're interested about this one case sure. I investigated back in 1974, which was the one that convinced me that there's something much more involved in these cases as well. Absolutely. Okay, so this was um, February 6, 1974. This is way up in the mountains here in southwest Pennsylvania. And... Um, Here's a woman that lived deep in the mountains, lived in the mountains all her life, knew animals uh, quite well, um, pretty much not afraid of anything. She was sitting in her little cabin home that night as normal, watching television. Everything was normal. She uh, was sitting in there when she heard this noise on her, on her little front porch. She had some empty soda cans out there, pop cans out there. Something was moving those metal, metal cans around. And she had told me that, I think it was two or three weeks before, she had a pack of wild dogs came through. And she thought, I bet those dogs are back. So she thought, you know what? 
I think I'll go load my 16 gauge double barrel shotgun. I'll load one chamber and I'll walk outside and I'll shoot overhead and I'll scare those dogs away, which is what she proceeded to do. She loaded her shotgun. She walked up to the front door, opened up the door, turned on the switch for the outside porch light, stepped out, and right there in front of her, about six feet away, was this huge seven-foot-tall, grayish, hair-covered Bigfoot that put its arm straight up over its head. And how does she react? She fires right into it. She pulls the trigger. There's this bright flash of light, she said, and the creature vanished in front of her and was gone. But that's not even the end of the story. Her, her in-laws lived um, in a residence about 100 feet away. They they heard the gunshot. They called asked what she was shooting at. She told them what had happened. Um, her son-in-law grabbed his sidearm, started walking down that dirt road, and um, apparently he confronted uh, what what I was described to me as four or five hairy people with eyes like coals of fire. Huh. He started shooting at them randomly, and about the same time, they noticed this large, luminous, object hovering over the trees over the woods at the same time like a big christmas ornament and um it was soon after that they called for help they called the state police and um, some of your listeners will probably remember that time period um it was during a big national trucker strike there was gas rationing across the country there was some violence going on across the country so here in pennsylvania you had national guard and, and state police patrolling together so you had some members of both units that responded to this incident. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get gas down here in my town until uh, the next morning. So I couldn't get up the scene early the next morning. But I talked to the primary investigator, and he told me that when they got on the scene, it took them quite a while to find a place. Whatever was going on was gone. But he said something very strange happened up there. And he said these witnesses were credible. They were very, very shaken. They were very, very shook up. But he said... He's basing this on the animal reactions. And I can tell you, I have seen this many times, that even the most vicious dogs, generally when they're in the vicinity of these creatures, they don't bark, they shake, mm-hmm. they cower, uh, they don't make any sound. Sometimes they'll lie on the ground and they'll move their eyes around, but they won't make a sound. He said there were several big dogs up on the farm and they wouldn't move or make a sound when he got there. Other animals responding as well. When I got up to the scene the next morning, all the dogs were barking and everything was back to normal. But that was the case, among others, that convinced me we're dealing with something that's not a physical animal. Question two is, why do you think Pennsylvania is such a hot spot? Well, we don't know. It always has been historically. I mean, if you go look at the newspaper accounts, I mean, going back to the uh, late 1800s, you have reports of strange objects in the sky. The Native Americans have for years and years talked about um, these type of creatures. Of course, back in back years and years ago, and there's 1,800 references to many Bigfoot sightings around the country in the 1800s. Um, they didn't call them Bigfoot back in those days. They called them wild man of the woods. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Pennsylvania has always had a lot of history of these type of things. You also got to remember, my hotline has been open since 1969. Mm-hmm. It was one of the only places in the country where people could report something and and people would investigate the reports. So, you know, we were able to document many, many reports over many, many years. And uh, that may have had something to do with it as well. But, you know, again, a lot of what I'm investigating in Pennsylvania, other cases have been occurring. I've been in touch with researchers for years and years all across the country and some out of the country. 
and they're receiving and reporting on similar type of phenomena too. It's just many of these strange details you don't you don't hear about. Well, you're hearing more about it now in the last few years, but years and years ago, mm-hmm. when I started writing about this back in the 70s, and I was in contact with some of the better known names in the Bigfoot field, that um, they were aware of these cases, but they told me they were reluctant to talk about it or write about it because they didn't want to be laughed at by their peers. My, my whole feeling was that this is something that this is what is well documented. I don't have the answers to what's going on, but I'm not going to pretend it's not happening. And I start putting out there for the public, and I was hopeful that more witnesses and more researchers will look into it. And now, years later, we're hearing a lot about this. So um, when you go out to investigate these these sightings, what do you guys do? Because is, is there a separate protocol now for a Bigfoot sighting as opposed to a UFO sighting that you guys do? Well, well I don't have my – I had my research group back in the 70s, mm-hmm. 80s, and 90s. I don't longer have them. However, I'm in touch with many other researchers, and, uh, you know, I, I get out when I can. I'm not a young kid anymore, so I'm a little more limited to what I can do, but I still go out when I can. There's other very good trained researchers out there now who uh, are able to uh, get out to some of these cases if I can. But, yes, I've been out to some cases in the last few years investigating some incidents as well. And, uh, again, when I had my research teams, we had, we had scientific people in the group, all kind of research specialists. We, had, we gathered materials for labs to examine. We, you know, we took up, wrote down reports. We analyzed materials. We photographed areas. Uh, we did a lot of research. And we did a lot of our own time in pockets. We all had full-time jobs. We did the best we could. And we were very, very busy. And today, there's a lot of other researchers still out there, and a lot of them do some really good investigation work as well. So, yeah, I mean, whether it's a Bigfoot sighting or UFO sighting, a different cryptid report, another phenomena, we look into all the cases, and we're always looking for explanations too. I mean, the main thing is, before we go and try to say, well, this is something unusual or something unexplainable, you always try to find a logical explanation. Right. And I've been out in the field since 1965 after the Kecksburg UFO case investigating these reports, and I always found that, first of all, many UFO sightings, if you take the time to properly investigate them, while many of them look unusual on the surface, quite often they're misidentification of natural or man-made objects. So that's there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they're bright meteors. You know, now you have the... Uh, this, uh, Starlink satellites, you've got balloons, you've got uh, many other type of things. You've got drones. A lot of things like this are explainable. But every year we're getting more and more reports of these objects you cannot easily explain away. And last year was a significant year for very detailed close-range UFO sightings. But even more interesting, and this is, I think, really important because a lot of people aren't aware of this, uh, it was a very big surge of incidents, which I call mini UFO cases, mm-hmm. that a lot of people apparently are not aware of. I've been looking into them since the 1960s. And over the last, for years and years, I, I've written about them, i talked about them. They've been increasing more and more. And again, it's not just in Pennsylvania. But the incidents we had last year, some of these cases were just amazing. So when I talk about these mini UFOs, these are not objects that you see high in the sky. These are objects that have been reported very low to the ground, in some cases on the ground, and in daylight. And we have incidents even last year when they came even in daylight within feet of people on the ground. 
And these objects are generally spherical, but not always. Uh, they're generally spherical light sources of various colors. Sizes range anywhere from a few inches, but generally about size of a golf ball or, bat or a baseball to about a foot or two in diameter. That's pretty common. And quite again, quite often just luminous sources of different colors. In some cases, people report it looking metallic, a uh, solid metallic in appearance. I've had incidents over the years where they've uh, followed moving vehicles. I've had reports that I'm entering people's homes and cars through open windows, uh, even tapping on people's windows of homes. Uh, these are really, really amazing reports. And um, yeah, I, I can tell you about some of the really interesting UFO cases, which there were many, many last year, and some of these smaller mini UFO cases as well. Fantastic. It sounds like there's a, that there's some kind of drone. Well, again, you got to go back to the 60s. And, right. you know, when I first started looking into these cases, um, I was of the opinion that they were some type of probe that was setting back audio and visual data right. to someone or something. But we just didn't have enough data on it. Mm -hmm. But now we're finding a lot more involvement, a lot stranger reports. So here's one of the other patterns that's been going on. And, I, and again, I talked about this back in the 70s. But in more recent years, all across the country, and in Pennsylvania, in areas, in wooded areas, for example, where you have a history of Bigfoot sightings, where researchers or witnesses have reported Bigfoot activity going on, there are more and more reports of these small spheres of light, balls of light, low to the ground, and in some cases, like happened last year, they came out of the woods and came within feet of some of the people on, in the field. Wow. And these are just incredible reports. So this is going on. There's a Bigfoot UFO connection to some of these small spheres of light as well, whatever they are. And it gets stranger and stranger. Yeah, I've heard of some of those, actually. You know, um, the guys that go up, uh, you know, the the voices of Bigfoot and all that, those guys that have gone up have even seen like a green U around him as well. Could you uh, repeat yeah. that? You kind of faded out on Yeah, me. the guys that are doing the Sierra sounds and stuff have reported uh, that they've seen a green hue around him in the woods as well, along with these uh, along with these orbs. Yeah, well, there is. There's different various type of light phenomena that's been reported. Sometimes there's bright flashes of light, uh, as well as the different uh, small spheres of light. Uh, yeah, it, it's just a really, really amazing stuff. And they're... Here's what I've been finding uh, over many, many investigations over the years. People can be at the right place at the right time, for example, and have a, a UFO sighting or have a, a Bigfoot walk out in front of their vehicle. But there are certain more specific geographical locations, certain properties. And there's some in Pennsylvania, and now they're appearing all across the country, from what I'm hearing from other researchers, where there's a, a, some cases where these locations have a long history a phenomena ongoing or taking place. So paranormal, uh, different paranormal activity, UFO sightings, the balls of like Bigfoot, other cryptids, strange footprints, strange screams and howls, other unusual physical anomalies are turning up. Yeah, this is going on more and more from what I've been hearing. Well, when you think about all these reports, like you say, it's not just happening in Pennsylvania. It's happening all, you know, all over the U.S. Do you think this is something... In advance of of the of of you know discovery for the aliens and everything that they're actually going to come and you know meet, meet with us at some point. Well, I think this is what we're talking about now. Okay. We're hearing about it more and more. 
but it's been going on for years and years and years. It's just it's something that a lot of people have, didn't talk about. A lot of people did, were hesitant to report it. And uh, I just think this is a this is an ongoing phenomena. Uh, I, I can just tell you with the cases that I saw with some of these small balls of light and the cases last year were coming in from widespread areas. People reporting some of the cases. Uh, in some cases, security cameras, game cameras were picking up some of these strange uh, light phenomena. Um, and it was just a lot of different reports. And, and some of these cases are really, really intriguing. Uh, just last year in October, for example, uh, up in Fayette County, when my research associates, Jim Brown, investigated some incidents in October the 8th of last year. So this was um, 6 o'clock in the morning. This man uh, awakened around 6 o'clock. It was closed in the 40s outside up in this area. And he had his pajamas on, and I think this was slippers, and he decided to go out to get the early morning newspaper. And he remembered walking out towards the newspaper box about 50 feet away, and he remembered seeing this white sphere, white glowing ball of light about 10 to 12 inches in diameter, and it was between him and the, and the paper box. And then he remembered getting extremely tired all of a sudden, very, very sleepy, and... His wife awakened at 7 o'clock looking for him, and she finds him outside on the porch of that cold weather's pajamas, sound asleep in the chair. She says she had a heck of a time trying to wake him up. And all he remembered was that he told her about seeing this sphere, this small ball of light, making slow circular motions, and he got very tired, and that's all he could remember. And now here's the interesting thing. So three days later, uh, about 40 miles away, up along the, one of the, the most active areas in the country here in Pennsylvania, areas along the Chestnut Ridge and going into the Laurel Ridge area where all kind of phenomena has been reported for a long time, um, this woman's awakened around 2.30 in the morning to go to the restroom. She lives in one of these older homes with, a, with big high ceilings. She got up at 2.30, she went to the restroom, she came out about five feet away in the living room, which had a high ceiling. She sees this deep blue colored sphere about a foot and a half in diameter. Ooh. It's just hovering there. She can see that inside of it, it has like a gray swirling mass that looks similar to one of those older lava lamps. Mm -hmm. It was making no sound. She remembered taking a step towards it and she felt like a slight tingling sensation. And she said that suddenly she became extremely tired and went right to bed. She said the next day she could barely get up. She was very sluggish and groggy. But she said, this is completely unlike her. She's an insomniac. She can't go to sleep. She had no idea how she could go to sleep like that right after she saw it. So here you had two cases with this really interesting physiological effect of both of them getting extremely tired when they were near these objects. You know, you make me wonder. Um, I did a case out in uh, Rockland just a couple years ago, and the family had seen what they thought was a fireball go, go down the length of their house. And at first I thought, well, you know, because they had power lines nearby, I thought, well, maybe the power lines, you know, could have created this fireball because we, we don't get ball lightning out here at all in California. So, but now that I'm hearing you talk about this, it makes me wonder because the house did have activity as well. Okay. Well, first of all, one, I can tell you the case that I investigated, we did not have, we don't have weather conditions like that. Ball lightning is a very, very rare 
uh, meteorological phenomena. Okay. And we did not have a weather conditions for these types of things in the cases we had. And the, here's the pattern I found many, many years ago. Many low-level, close-range UFO sightings and many encounters with Bigfoot and other cryptids. So we're talking about cryptids. We're talking right. about creatures that people report seeing right. by which science never confirmed existing. So Bigfoot falls in that category. They commonly occur in the vicinity of high-energy sources. So you have many sightings around high-tension power lines, power plants, gas wells, gas lines, bodies of water, railroad tracks, near radio and cell phone towers, things like that. That's a very common uh, similarity I've found for years and years. I'm going to have to rethink that investigation then. That's fascinating. I never even thought about, you know, the possibility that, that there could be some kind of uh, alien orb or something that came through. Wow. Okay. So you, so you got me thinking. This is a good thing. Well, there, like I said, there's a lot more, you know. My newest book's out. It's called Creepy Cryptids and Strange UFO Encounters in Pennsylvania. And it gets into a detail of a lot of very strange well, similarities and patterns I've been finding and some amazing, really bizarre cases of cryptids and creatures that people, I'm sure, have never heard of before. And it's just amazing what's going on. And, you know, I, I people call here all the time, and they're from all walks of life. And so many of these people never believed these things could exist. Many hunters I've interviewed, mm -hmm. outdoorsmen, police officers, people from all walks of life. And so many of these people, the experience is life-changing for them. Some of these stars spend years and years out in the woods and never saw a thing, and they used to laugh at people telling about seeing these huge hairy creatures in the woods or other strange creatures. They used to laugh at them until they had their own experience. And I can tell you, I've, over the past seven, eight years, I interviewed some hunters face-to-face, -face, and these guys had tears coming out of their eyes. And they just could not believe that they saw and experienced what they did. And this is what's going on. And yet you've got so many credible people, and they're so reluctant to tell you what they saw. And, and it's strange enough to talk about seeing a, a huge seven, eight-foot-tall hairy creature that's mm -hmm. not supposed to exist. But then when you have these other anomalies being reported, and, and let me just give you just an example sure. of a few of the things. I, I talked to you about the tracks that just suddenly just suddenly stop and, and no, are no longer there, that mm -hmm. they suddenly end when there should be more tracks, even in snow. That's being reported all across the country. But, um, for example, the electromagnetic effects, and this is really intriguing. Yeah, a lot of people who've looked into the UFO phenomena, they know about the case of going back to at least 1950s of uh, these large, solid-looking metallic objects that sometimes hovered near vehicles, hovered low to the ground. And in some cases, the motors reported their engine would begin to sputter or their headlights begin to... Uh, fade or fade out or go out, and when the object departed, the power came back on. Well, a lot of people have never heard this, but there are incidents of the same thing when people have been close to a Bigfoot. So I've had incidents where Bigfoot has ran up near a car, and while the creature was nearby, power was lost in the car. When the, when the creature uh, moved away from the area, the power came back on. That's just, that's just an example. There's a lot more to this than any of us understand. That's absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Can you tell us? Uh, can you tell us a little more about your new book? Well, the new book again. It's called Creepy Cryptids and Strange UFO Encounters in Pennsylvania, and uh, it's available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. But it gets into all kinds of things. From uh, of course, a lot of Bigfoot sightings. There's a lot of information about some of the anomalies that have been uncovered up on the Chestnut Ridge. Chestnut Ridge is a mountain range 
little less than 100 miles long. It runs through Westmoreland, Fayette, Indiana County, and southwest PA, extends down to a few miles outside of Morgantown, West Virginia. All along that ridge for years and years, there have been UFO sightings, Bigfoot sightings, cryptid encounters, paranormal phenomena, all kinds of mysteries going on every year, including many, many last year. And uh, there are certain areas, especially Fayette County, very active with reports, uh, out in Westmoreland County, around the Dairy Township area, up around the ridges for years, have been reports. Another very good daylight sighting last year, Mother's Day afternoon, a woman was walking a uh, dog when this uh, huge, at least eight-foot-tall Bigfoot came out of the woods within probably 30 feet of her, never looked at her. The dog just stopped and wouldn't move and uh, was very frightened. And the thing just kept moving and walked into the woods. A woman saw it from head to toe, got a really good description of it. Uh, there was another sighting this past November, so just weeks ago, mm -hmm. on the, between West, Westmore and Indiana County side of the ridge. So these are all deep mountainous areas. This was just as the sun was coming up. These people are deep in the wooded area. Woman was coming out of a building on her property, caught something out of the corner of her eye. She looked and coming out of the woods about 80 feet away. Is this, she said this thing was easily nine foot tall, covered with gray hair, carrying a deer over her shoulder. Wow. She said she must have kind of startled it because when it saw her, it let, let out a loud grunt. And they had eye-to-eye -eye contact for a short time. It turned with the deer and ran off through the field into the woods and gone. But she gave me a very, very detailed description. That's just the example of some of the reports from last year. And uh, it's just amazing what's going on. You know what? My other question about this is, too, are there other cryptids people are seeing besides Bigfoot? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you talked about what was in the book. So we have reports of all kind of um, Thunderbird reports, which we've called them for years, and we have these huge flying mm -hmm. creatures that people have seen uh, across Pennsylvania, again, around the country. But we've had reports here in Pennsylvania. Uh, we've all heard of, I'm sure you've all heard of the Mothman of West Virginia from back in 1966. Sure. Okay, well, so I'm I'm in western Pennsylvania, so I'm probably about four hours away from the area where a lot of Mothman activity was taking place. But I remember back in that time period, I was hearing rumors that something similar to the Mothman was being seen in the Pittsburgh area. But I could never track it down until many, many years later, I uh, found a witness who was involved in the incident. And uh, I wrote about it in a previous book. But anyhow, in the years since then... I came across another fellow, and he was he was indirectly involved because he knew the, a witness who was involved in another incident in Allegheny County in the Pittsburgh area around that same time period, and um, he was the best friend of this fella who came to him right after it happened. This guy was apparently in shock when he came to this guy's house, and he revealed to him the whole story what happened with him, him and his date in Allegheny County, and that whole story is in this new book. Creepy cryptids. Um, I have reports of strange creatures reported in the in the lakes and rivers of Pennsylvania. Uh, black panthers, another really interesting topic, more of an out of place animal. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking now of mountain lions or your tiny cougars that people have been reporting for years in Pennsylvania. We're talking about an animal that people talk about seeing in the zoo. Uh, People were basically talking about a jaguar or leopard, not common in this part of the world. But here in Pennsylvania, they've been reporting them for years and years. And I be, over the years, I began to see an interesting correlation 
with the Black Panther reports and believe it or not, Bigfoot reports. And and then I had a case that was very similar with a Black Panther, similar to the Bigfoot cases I had back in the 70s, where these things appear to be not a normal physical animal. If you want, I'll be glad to tell you that story. Absolutely. I'm so right, fascinated so, by all this. Go ahead. Let's see how my memory is tonight. February <laughs> 1983, going back a few years. This was uh, going way again up in the mountains of Pennsylvania here. It's around 1 o'clock in the morning, and this fellow was just getting home, and his car is overheating. He pulls into his driveway, uh, lit driveway, and uh, he goes inside to get a can of antifreeze. So he comes back out, and he's putting antifreeze in the car. A couple of minutes later, he hears this loud growl behind him. So he turns around and looks, and there, a few feet away, I think it was about 20 feet away, here's this very large black house cat sitting there growling at him. Well, he didn't think much of it. He's out in the country, and there houses, there's cats out there. So he looked at this cat and went back and put more antifreeze in the car. A couple of minutes later, he hears this louder growl. So he turns around to look, and he's shocked because that big house cat has now physically grown twice its size. Wow. And he throws, he throws the, the jug of antifreeze at it, and it growls a tremendous growl at him. And it turns around and starts slowly walking out, uh, the, out the driveway and up outside where it's well lit. He runs into his house to grab his pistol. And he said when he came back out a few minutes later, he said he's looking outside, and he's startled now because that big cat has now grown. He said it looked like an animal I saw in the zoo, like a big black panther. It was all solid black, luminous glowing yellow eyes, long black swishing tail. It's just growling at him. He said he took a shot at it. He didn't know if he hit it, but moments later, it physically vanished and was gone right in front of him. Dang. I've never heard of stories about panthers like that. Well, but here's the other part of the story. In some, again, in some locales, when you sometimes have an outbreak of Bigfoot sightings, other phenomena, mm -hmm. sometimes you have more than one cryptid reported. So I believe it was the summer of 1979 on the border of Westbourne, Armstrong County. A series of incidents began in that area where people saw an object fall from the sky into the woods, and they began to re report screams and howls and balls of light and strange creature sightings and Bigfoot stuff and it intensified in 81 and 82 and many many neighbors and people were reporting Bigfoot sightings again the balls of light UFOs uh, paranormal stuff it, it was such a big story it made one of the TV a TV news station Pittsburgh did a special report on it and it was a big big really serious news article one of the big local newspapers about it but anyhow with all the Bigfoot activity, the neighbors reporting seeing black panthers as well. So sometimes these various creatures, and this is something, again, a lot of people don't hear about, sometimes Bigfoot will accompany another cryptid with it at the same time. I have people in the chat room that are asking about the Thunderbirds. That they want to hear some details on that. Okay, well, there's um, a lot of cases. Thunderbirds are really intriguing, and, and there's, you know, I, I put it on the category of Thunderbirds, but there's several different really separated categories. So most commonly we're talking about a huge giant bird. It kind of looks like more like an, in some cases, like a big oversized turkey vulture. So you're talking um, generally dark brown or black. Um, wingspan, now let me explain this to you. 
as with UFO sightings, it's very difficult to judge altitude and size. Mm -hmm. It's just like it is with, with these bird sightings and with the UFO sightings. But we have incidents where these huge flying cruisers were very low to the ground and in some cases actually on the ground. So there have been cases where they're on the ground on a road eating roadkill and they have their wings completely open. And I'll give you one example. Remember, this was, I believe, the fall of 2017 in neighboring West Virginia. And I interviewed the guy and sent me a sketch of it. And uh, anyhow, he told me that he's riding down this uh, two-lane road. And it's early morning hours. And um, he had to hit his brakes because there's this huge, huge flying creature, this huge thing eating a roadkill right in front of him. And uh, anyhow, uh, it's it's hopping from one leg to the other. It's it's flapping its wings, and um, he's, he said it was taller than the top of his car, so it's at least feet, four feet wow. tall. And it say so he's watching. It's a two lane road again, so he can see the wingtips. And as it's flapping its wings, he can see the dust and dirt coming up off the road. And this thing finally is so big and heavy, it was having trouble getting off the road. And finally, it rose up over the trees. He was so shocked and amazed, he went back the next day and measured the width of the road where he saw it. It was 21 feet across. Wow. We're talking, in a lot of cases, these things have a wingspan of 10 to over 20 feet. So you got that category. You got a lot of those kind of reports. Then you've got a second category where people reporting what appeared to be a very large, featherless, like a uh, black, uh, leathery winged creature, like a huge giant bat. Those have been reported. And then you've got um, other reports uh, of some people, again, very credible witnesses. Some have drawn me some very, very detailed sketches. And these uh, are people who swear that what they saw looked more like something prehistoric, mm -hmm. like a pterodactyl or a pterodactyl. So that's really, really interesting, too. And some of these, again, are, are some very educated, very credible witnesses who were extremely reluctant to talk about it. Uh, I get into some of those in the Creepy Cryptid books and some of my other books as well. Mm -hmm. And then you've got this other, another category. So you've got another category uh, of these, of well-winged humanoid creatures. And uh, one of those cases that's uh, really interesting this occurred um, up in Butler County, and this is um, outside of Pittsburgh, the north of Pittsburgh, which Butler County, I've been up there for years and years since the 60s. There have been many reports of UFOs and Bigfoot and other cryptid accounts up in Butler County. Every year we're getting reports. And anyhow, but here's one really intriguing case. It's kind of been nicknamed the Butler Gargoyle. And the witness I've gotten to know very well, very professional businessman, this was um, during the early morning hours of March 18, 2011. He was driving um, on a rural road between Chicora and East Brady. And he's riding down the road, and his headlights to the right in the field catches what he thought was a deer at first. Then he realizes it was not a deer. This tall, muscular creature suddenly rose up from the ground, took three big steps, walked up on this big yellow road sign and crossed the road in front of him. When I interviewed him for the first time back in those days, he said, this thing, he said, I've heard people tell me they've seen Bigfoot around here. And he said, this thing was not a Bigfoot. He said, this thing was at least eight foot tall, 
but it had smooth leather-like skin that was either dark tan or like a light brown color. And he said the head was kind of shaped like an aerodynamic helmet. The face was flat. The eyes were kind of swept back. The ears also were kind of swept back like in a flap. The arms were very muscular and a little longer than the other, but there were claws on the hands. He said the one trait that really stood out was the fact that it had extremely muscular legs. But he said the legs did not move like that of a human. They looked like they were bent backwards. But he said another feature really caught his attention was it looked like it had wings on its back, which were tucked into its body with the wingtips extending towards the side of the head. He noticed no smell or sound at the time. He got a really good look at this thing. It never looked at him. He only saw it from the side. But within days, other people around the area were reporting seeing the same creature to uh, Dan Hagman up at the uh, BROU research group up there in Butler County. Mm -hmm. And some of those cases, uh, actually, I mentioned in my, my other book, Scottish Encounters. And, well, example, one one was a group of people, uh, two people in a car near the ice cream stand near Reimersburg. And they said this thing was about 30, uh, they were about 35 feet away from the creature when it happened. Um, they said it was at least nine foot tall, had dark brown skin, long arms and broad shoulders, had a pointed head, a flat forehead, pointed ears, and what appeared to be wings on its back. The body was extremely muscular. There were four finger-like claws in each hand. The eyes were squinted but swept up at the corners. As the creature turned, the whole body would turn. Movement of the arms was not normal. The mouth had like a slit. The wings looked like semi-see-through mesh resembled wings, wings on a bat. The claws were black as coal, and the witness said this thing was straight from hell. Wow. You know, I've heard reports of, of like, um, ancient birds up in Alaska that people have seen. But to hear that they're so far, you know, into the United in, I'm going to say inland, okay? Inland as far as Pennsylvania, that's wild. Absolutely wild. Yeah, well, again, they, these reports are coming in. I mean, I know other researchers. There's other reports from other parts of the world where similar type of stuff these cases are going on mm -hmm. and uh, I think we're hearing more and more about it now people are talking more and more about it uh, the balls of light the small spheres of light some people refer to them as orbs uh, are showing up in many different areas but I think there's the more I know about the phenomena mm -hmm. again I believe a lot of it's energy connected but I think there's a lot of correlation now between various types of paranormal phenomena a lot of the cryptids there's some similarities the Bigfoot stuff I think a lot of it somehow is all interconnected somehow, whatever we're dealing with. Now, my question, too, like you mentioned earlier, you know, like the earlier uh, stuff that was happening in the 70s, there was no social media back then. So with everything that's, that's showing up now, do you think social media is helping that, especially people with cell phones? Well, I think because of social media now and because of the fact that there's a lot of this now on television, mm -hmm. people are talking more and more about it, even though a lot of witnesses that I deal with, I know others, they want no publicity, but there's sure. some people aren't coming forward. But at least the accounts are coming out more and more. You're seeing similar reports coming in you know, from widespread areas now. These things going on. I know I'm in touch with some of the other uh, researchers out there. They're getting many reports. I'm getting reports. Uh, it's going on everywhere. And uh, there, there's the patterns to it, the similarities and the details. I mean, here, here's one little detail I, I mentioned. Uh, the book I wrote about this 1973 outbreak, we talked about a few of those cases, but right. I go into great detail about those instances in my silent invasion book. And 
one detail that I wrote about back years ago, because we didn't understand it. I didn't understand it, but some of the witnesses who were having Bigfoot encounters back in the 70s were telling me that during the time this was going on, they heard this odd metallic sound, like metal scraping, metal tearing. And now even in the last year, some witnesses and others are telling me the same thing. They don't know how it, why it happened, but they hear like this metallic sound or metal sound right. during the incident. So I, that's just a, a little indication, uh, you know, of a similarity of some of the details that have been showing up. Do you think we're ever going to get a full story on this stuff? I think someday in the future, and probably in the far, far future, we'll know a lot more about it. I don't think anybody understands that. I've said for years and years, I've always felt the government knows more than they're telling the public, but mm -hmm. they do not have the answers themselves. I think it's very likely they're very much aware of this phenomena. Um, I think they've had an interest in both UFOs and Bigfoot for years. Uh, during 1973, this big outbreak was going out, was involved with here in Pennsylvania. There was indication of, of government interest in it, and there was government interest in it. Um, one of the things happened was that um, of the many, many calls coming in, the phone calls coming in September 1973, uh, a person contacted me on the phone, told me they worked for the government, that they were very much interested in the investigations we were doing on the Bigfoot stuff. I was provided the name of a, of a government laboratory, Washington, D.C., name of a contact, a phone number, in the event we came up with any bodies or anything really, really solid. Uh, that never happened. However, I was later contacted by some um, officials from one of the, the congressman's office who was aware of what I was doing. They asked uh, to have a meeting with me, which we did. Mm -hmm. They were very, very professional. They were very supportive. I mentioned to them about the phone call, and they were able to confirm that the phone number I received was in, indeed a government phone number. Mm -hmm. And that was just, that's just an example of some of the things that were going on. Do you think that, you know, like you say, you don't think the you, you don't even think the government knows a lot about this stuff. But do no, you think I, I think they know a lot more than they're able to tell the public. Right. They do have they don't have the answers themselves. I think we're dealing with a phenomenon. First of all, it's a worldwide phenomenon. It's not mm -hmm. just the United States. This is something that's going on for years and years. I think we're dealing with whatever we're dealing with. I think it's so beyond a present scientific understanding. Nobody understands what's going on, and I think sometime in the future. You know, we'll know more and more about it, but I think the government's in a position where they, they just, you know, they're, they're opening the door a little now. They're at least mm -hmm. confirming there's things out that, that they cannot explain, mm -hmm. but I don't think there's going to be any type of revelation in the near future as to what we're really dealing with. I don't think anybody knows. When you talk about cases coming in, you know, with, with reports, can you tell me the, the average number a month that you guys are getting? It, it varies, and again, you know, I get reports on it's not just UFOs, it's all kind of phenomena. Right, right. Anything unusual, I get calls from the public about. So it, it varies month to month. And I mean, I can just tell you, I tore multitudes of reports last year. I can't give you exact numbers. And again, they're not all UFOs, they're not all Bigfoot. I mean, no, there weren't a huge number of Bigfoot sightings, but there were very good detailed Bigfoot sightings. There were very good Thunderbird reports last year in daylight. Um, we have Black Panther reports mm -hmm. and uh, and other phenomena and other strange entity reports too. But lots of UFO sightings, and we had many reports in daylight of large, solid, kind of cigar-shaped objects, even in beautiful days, that witnesses said this suddenly just vanished. 
didn't accelerate and take off. They just vanished and they were gone. We had reports of large black triangular objects. We had one report in July last year of uh, two fellows crossing the bridge near Elizabeth, PA. So this is outside of Pittsburgh, down along the Mon River, where there's for years and years all along the Mon Valley area, there have been reports of a lot of Bigfoot sightings, UFO sightings, oddities in the rivers, um, all kind of things like this going up. But July of last year, the fellows riding across the bridge, they saw this huge black triangular object hovering about 150, 200 feet over the water. It was hovering in place, but it was, it was rotating as they watched. And they, they couldn't sit there long because they were on the bridge. They had to keep moving. And they said this thing was so wide, it was so big, that two of the points of the object extended and covered both sides of the river. Wow. You know, another question I had. This is all wild for me. These stories are incredible. Uh, another question that I had. Have there been any injuries reported over the years from seeing, from being in contact with this stuff? You know, with the Bigfoot sightings, and again, of the hundreds of people, hundreds of people I've interviewed over the years, and again, many Bigfoot sightings are in daylight. You know, you watch a lot of TV shows, they kind of suggest the other you see them at night. Right. There are many good Bigfoot sightings that happen in daylight. And I talked to so many of these witnesses, and they've said to me, they said, you know, if these things wanted to hurt me with the huge, I mean, the huge stride, the gait they have, they could easily have outrun them. They could easily have hurt them. Uh, in some cases, they may have moved toward them a little bit, then moved off. It didn't go after them. It didn't go physically attack anybody. Now, in, in some cases over the years, we've heard reports that they've thrown some pretty good-sized branches uh -huh. or some pretty good-sized rocks, like small boulders, in the direction of people. But the people even said to me, they said, it was so unusual how they almost seemed to be able to direct where this was going as to scare them away from the area, but not to hurt them. And uh, that's what I've seen. And UFO cases, extremely rare. I mean, over the years, extremely rare. We, we do at times hear some, you know, uh, uh, things like the physiological effect. Mm -hmm. And we heard where those little spheres of light um, a few months ago. But, um, I mean, I've heard other stories, but we cannot confirm them. But it's very, very rare. And it doesn't seem to be any type of overt type thing. It might just be indirectly from the, uh, from the energy source, from... Uh, Whatever it is, the phenomenon we're dealing with, which we're really not sure. Absolutely. The other thing I find fascinating now, too, is like up here in Northern California and parts of Oregon, that the Caltrans cameras that they have along the freeway have been picking up what, what appears to be Sasquatches. And, yeah, and again, here in Pennsylvania, we, we do have game cam pictures and security cams of some of the uh, some of the UFO stuff, some of the strange light phenomena being ported. And over the years, we do have what might be some uh, sanctions of, of hairy bodies of Bigfoot, but they're not capturing the whole thing. But mm -hmm. it's a possibility we've got some, but it's not enough to prove anything. But here's, here's another stranger aspect. People say, how come there's so few photographs? Well, there's several different reasons. One, a lot of these encounters only last seconds. And whether it's a close UFO or a Bigfoot or some other creature, the witnesses most of the time are so in awe, they're so shocked, they can't believe what they saw. And so many of them said the last thing they ever thought about was grabbing a camera and taking a picture. But in a lot of cases, it was not time to do it. Right. Now, however, there are some other cases where people have attempted to take pictures of, of close UFOs and even a Bigfoot or other cryptid. And the camera malfunctions 
only then. The camera worked fine right before then, worked perfectly afterwards, but during the experience, the camera malfunctioned. And I, and I can give you a couple good examples of sure. those cases. Sure, if, if you would, before okay. I let you go. Go ahead. Uh, this was several years ago up in the mountains near Donegal. It was a beautiful morning. This fellow is sitting by his window uh, out in the country drinking coffee. His nice dog is lying on the carpet next to him. It's a beautiful morning. He's sitting there, and suddenly it got just completely black outside out of nowhere. Like this terrible storm just came out of nowhere, which was just so unusual. And the guy had his fully charged phone camera sitting right there. He grabs it. He yells to his dog to come with him, and the dog refused to come out. That dog goes with him everywhere. The dog would not go with him. So he goes outside, walks outside, and goes out to his driveway, and 500 feet above his head is this huge, solid, black, solid triangle object that's hovering there. Whoa. He, grabs, he grabs his fully charged camera, aims at it, and the camera would not work. It was fully charged. It lost all its power, instantly lost all its power would not work and there was other em effects on some of the other equipment on the property as well as i recall um in the last couple of years i can tell you and in, in another location and, and there's several cases i've heard where people who have some really good high-tech night vision equipment and other recording equipment attempt to take videos of some of these small orbs of light fully charged batteries i mean checked out and as soon as they started recording the camera malfunctioned they lost all the battery power and it would not work, but they were fine afterwards. We're hearing that more and more. Um, with EM effects with UFO, here's one case I really investigated well. I, I believe, yeah, it's, actually it's in my new book. It's June 1st, 2013. This was in North Huntington Township, about 20-some miles outside of Pittsburgh, on a four-lane highway, very busy, Route 30. It was around uh, at, after 10 o'clock at night, this woman and her three-year-old child were going down Route 30 eastbound. And the woman told me, she said, I had to break right in the middle of the highway. She said, I couldn't believe it. There's no cars near me. They're way ahead of me or way behind me. Nobody's around. She said, I had to break. Here's this huge, solid, metallic, somewhat rectangular object covering, I believe, about 60 feet uh, in front of her, right above the highway, taking up all four lanes of the highway. She said, it looked like the gondola of a blimp without the blimp. Huh? The lighting, lighting on it was completely unlike navigational lighting. There was no sound to it. Her three-year-old child yelled, Mommy, flying iPad in the sky. And she was on the phone at the time, on the cell phone, and she was trying to tell the person what was going on. She had to go underneath the object to get to her house. She goes under the object, and when she does, she loses her cell phone signal. Her FM radio station signal went off the air. She noticed on her dash all of her indicators blacked out. Her um, airbag indicator, I believe it was temperature, uh, some other indicator all went out, and uh, she tried to take a picture with her fully charged phone, and it would not let her go into the photo mode. She got down about a half a mile away, and all the electronics came back on. Those are the kind of things that are going on that you really ever hear about. That is crazy. Wow. Stan, I want to thank you for coming on again. I really appreciate it. It was wonderful, as always. Thanks for having me on. Your listeners, they can go to my website, which is stangordon.info, stangordon.info. There's a big report on what happened last year. There's a lot of information on my website as well. Uh, there's contact information on there. And my new book, Creepy Cryptids, and my other books are all available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Sounds great. I'd love to have you on again sometime. All right? How's that sound? All right. Sounds good. Uh, 
have a nice new year out there in California. You too, Stan. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Right. Good night. Good night. Okay, guys, we're back. Where am I? Where'd I go? There I am. Wow, there's some great Bigfoot stories in there with UFOs and stuff I never even heard of before. I don't know about you. So it's fascinating, and it makes it uh, makes you wonder about that stuff, doesn't it? Really makes you wonder. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about some cool stuff, only the show's going to be at 5.30 p.m. Pacific because we're going to be an hour earlier. We're going to have Tom T. Moore on. What sounds terrible. Tom T. Moore on. Okay. <laughs> And uh, he's going to be talking about Atlantis in, in, in the Moria. So we're going to be talking, you know, ancient, ancient stuff. Um, thank you guys for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. I really do. And uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, hopefully, you know, you, you keep coming back and tell your friends about the show. Tell them about the show. Um, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Again, if you're watching from Facebook and you haven't done so already, Please feel free to like the show and uh, and uh, say follow. Sorry, I'm just I'm tired today. It's been a long day, long long day. I've been up to six. Uh, same thing with YouTube. If you're watching from YouTube, click on that little ghost in the bottom right hand corner to subscribe to our channel if you haven't done so already, because we have a lot of videos over there of differing topics, and I think you'll find something that you like. I really do. I'm not just saying that to get you over there. I'm saying that you're going to find that you like. Besides. You have to subscribe to YouTube because next week I'm going to be live at Disneyland. I'm going to go out live and I'm going live out live on YouTube. So if you guys who are on Facebook want to watch and go on the rides with me at Disneyland, you have to be a YouTube subscriber to the channel. Okay? To do that. But I'm going to go out live. It should be interesting. I've been running tests on my cameras all week and everything. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Okay. That being said, tomorrow I'll be here at 5.30 p.m. Pacific. For Tom T. Moore, and I apologize today. I was tired, and uh, yeah, lots to do before I go on my trip. Just exhausted. Uh, why is it you're exhausted before you go on vacation, then you're exhausted after you go on vacation? That's usually how it works, right? But anyway, with Tom T. Moore will be with us, and uh, we're going to be talking uh, Atlantis and Lemuria. So I will see you guys tomorrow. I will give you uh, Stan's information right now, and I will see you guys tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. Pacific. So here we go. Website, stangordon.info. And I have some of his books. He's got a lot of books available that you guys can check out when you go over there. Stan, Silent, Silent Invasion, that's the one about Bigfoot and UFOs. Mm -hmm. Allergies are bad too this week. Astonishing Encounters, my creaky chair. Cryptid, Creepy Cryptids, that's his latest book. And of course, like he says, you can get them through his website or Amazon. But choose, check out his website. He's got some really cool information over there about UFOs and different things. Okay, guys, I will see you tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great evening.